What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Spiritual Insights with Charlotte Spicer. Spirituality and Metaphysics Talk Radio, featuring a course in miracles, dream interpretation, guided meditation, and the psychic and metaphysics free-for-all. It's your opportunity to consult with a professional psychic medium, discuss past lives, the chakras, and more. We are non-denominational, and there are no limits. Want to change your life? You must first change your mind. 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 No matter your religious structure, cultivate peace in your reality through self-awareness with an authentic spiritual teacher. And now, your host, Charlotte Spicer. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Spiritual Insights. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today, I am joined by my special guest co-host, Robert Rosenthal, M.D., affectionately known as Dr. Bob, who is the co-president of the Foundation for Inner Peace, publisher of A Course in Miracles. Throughout this year, we have been working our way through Chapters 16 and 17. We are presently at Chapter 17, Forgiveness and the Holy Relationship. So we've gone deeply into special relationships and segued into holy relationships. And today we pick up where we left off in Chapter 17, Section 3, Shadows of the Past. And we are going to do a very special recap and then keep going. If you're new to the show, you can join us once per month as we put on our virtual class for A Course in Miracles and break down the specific concepts of each section. If you would like to join us on social media, you can do so on Facebook. You can also join me uh, on the website where you will find an archive of our discussions. So let's get the show started and get everything going. Welcome back, Dr. Bob. It's good to have you with us again. Thanks so much, Char. Yeah, it's good to uh, know that we're, 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 we're back in the uh, groove again, uh, especially with these Amazing sections from chapters first uh, 16 and now 17. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's good stuff. What can you say? Um, of course, I feel the same way about chapters 13 and 14 and 7 and 18 and 20 and 27 and 28, and we could go on and on. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but uh, as I was saying, you know, chapter 18 is coming up, and as I skim through it, it will be very interesting to see how, as similar to in this past year, how passages in the text match up with what's happening in people's lives. So I am looking forward to Chapter 18, and um, or whatever we decide to do next. So we'll have to yeah, talk about I mean, that. You know, if for those listeners who don't know the course, a course in miracles very well, when you really start to 
you know, sort of make it your path. And that means to me, you're work, doing the workbook lessons and um, probably reading the text as well. Um, then the lessons really, I mean, the lessons and the text, what, what you're getting really does start to line up incredibly well. I mean, to the point that I have to admit, um, when I'm giving a presentation, um, and I've done a number of them online recently, um, whatever I quote unquote happen to be reading for the day that morning or whatever my lesson is often comes up in the course of the talk or someone asks a question about it. It makes me look like I know the course really, really well, but it's just, you know, the guidance, the synchronistic guidance that, that the Holy spirit uh, and Jesus know what I'm going to be needing. And there it is, or it's just time working itself through. So I think that experience, um, you know, it, it, it lets us know we're being taken care of very, very well, better, far better than we could take care of ourselves. And that's so essential for moving forward. It is. And it's an excellent reminder because, you know, you start to feel very alone and separate. No matter what you believe, you can still feel that way. And, and staying with this and the way it does line up lets you know that you can't limit how they support you. And you can't really deny that connection to the divine, no matter what tool they use to guide you, whether it's A Course in Miracles or the Upanishads. It doesn't matter what you study, just that you are open to that connection, to that guidance and support, and they will deliver it in the way that's best for you. So that's yeah. been a, a very good thing for me of late, that, so, that type of support. Yeah, all we have to do is get out of the way, and that's what all of these systems try to teach us how to do. True. Yeah. So what we've discussed, uh, moving on with the discussion that we uh, left off on paragraph mm -hmm. 6 in 17.3, Shadows of the Past, but what we'd like to do for everybody is just read through paragraph, paragraphs 1 through 6 just to really pull it all together. Yeah, it's, we've been doing this section over a long period of time. And, of course, if you're listening archived, that won't matter. But a recap never hurts. So we're going to read from the beginning. And when we get to the, uh, the paragraphs that we haven't yet discussed, guess what? We'll discuss them. So I'm thinking since uh, you're going to have something to say about paragraph six as the final recap, why don't I start with um, paragraph one and read that? Sure. Yeah, I just put a few words together to pulled together, but I like starting from the beginning because that's exactly how I prepared for this. So, yeah, go right ahead. But just so readers know, we're going to go straight through um, one through six. So um, that doesn't mean we're not going to have anything to say, um, but it'll just come <laughs> later. <laughs> so chapter 17, section three, Shadows of the Past. To forgive is merely to remember only the loving thoughts you gave in the past and those that were given you. All the rest must be forgotten. Forgiveness is a selective remembering based not on your selection. For the shadow figures you would make immortal are enemies of reality. Be willing to forgive the Son of God for what he did not do. The shadow figures are the witnesses you bring with you to demonstrate he did what he did not. Because you bring them, you will hear them. And you who keep them by your own selection do not understand how they came into your mind and what their purpose is. They represent the evil that you think was done to you. You bring them with you only that you may return evil for evil, 
hoping that their witness will enable you to think guiltily of another and not harm yourself. They speak so clearly for the separation that no one, not obsessed with keeping separation, could hear them. They offer you the reasons why you should enter into unholy alliances to support the ego's goals and make your relationships the witness to its power. Mm-mm-mm. Okay. Moving on You're to up. paragraph two. It is these shadow figures that would make the ego holy in your sight and teach you what you do to keep it safe is really love. The shadow figures always speak for vengeance, and all relationships into which they enter are totally insane. Without exception, these relationships have as their purpose the exclusion of the truth about the other and of yourself. This is why you see in both what is not there and make of both the slaves of vengeance. And why whatever reminds you of your past grievances attracts you and seems to go by the name of love, no matter how distorted the associations by which you arrive at the connection may be. And finally, why all such relationships become attempts at union through the body, for only bodies can be seen as means for vengeance. That bodies are central to all unholy relationships is evident. Your own experience has taught you this. But what you may not realize are all the reasons that go to make the relationship unholy. For unholiness seeks to reinforce itself as holiness does by gathering to itself what it perceives as like itself. Three, in the unholy relationship, it is not the body of the other with which union is attempted, but the bodies of those who are not there. For even the body of the other, already a severely limited perception of him, is not the central focus as it is, or in entirety. What can be used for fantasies of vengeance and what can be most readily associated with those on whom vengeance is really sought is centered on and separated off as being the only parts of value. Every step taken in the making, the maintaining, and the breaking off of the unholy relationship is a move toward further fragmentation and unreality. The shadow figures enter more and more, and the one in whom they seem to be decreases in importance. Number four, time is indeed unkind to the holy relationship, for time is cruel in the, for time is cruel in the ego's hands, as it is kind when used for gentleness. The attraction of the unholy relationship begins to fade and to be questioned almost. The attraction of the unholy relationship begins to fade and to be questioned almost at once. Once it is formed, doubt must enter in because its purpose is impossible. The quote-unquote ideal of the unholy relationship thus becomes one in which the reality of the other does not enter at all to quote-unquote spoil the dream. And the less the other really brings to the relationship, the again quote-unquote better it becomes. Thus, the attempt at union becomes a way of excluding even the one with whom, with whom the union was sought, for it was formed to get him out of it and join with fantasies in, un, in uninterrupted bliss. Five. <clears throat> 
how can the Holy Spirit how can the Holy Spirit bring his interpretation of the body as a means of communication into relationships whose only purpose is separation from reality? What forgiveness is enables him to do so. If all but loving thoughts have been forgotten, what remains is eternal, and the transformed past is made like the present. No longer does the past conflict with now. This continuity extends the present by increasing its reality and its value in your perception of it. In these loving thoughts is the spark of beauty hidden in the ugliness of the unholy relationship where hatred is remembered, yet there to come alive as the relationship is given to him who gives it life and beauty. That is why atonement centers on the past, which is the source of separation, and where it must be undone, for separation must be corrected where it was made. The ego seeks to quote-unquote resolve its problems, not at their source, but where they were not made, and thus it seeks to guarantee there will be no solution. The Holy Spirit wants only to make his resolutions complete and perfect, and so he seeks and finds the source of problems where it is, and there undoes it. And with each step in his undoing is the separation more and more undone, and union brought closer. He is not at all confused by any quote-unquote reason for separation. All he perceives in separation is that it must be undone. Let him uncover the hidden spark of beauty in your relationships and show it to you. Its loveliness will so attract you that you will be unwilling ever to lose the sight of it again. And you will let this spark transform the relationship so you can see it more and more. For you will want it more and more and become increasingly unwilling to let it be hidden from you. And you will learn to seek for and establish the conditions in which this beauty can be seen. Ah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so that stuff. brings us okay. to where we where we are, right? Um, it does. Six. Oh, great. <laughs> it does. The strange thing, though, bear with me, and mind you, again, I can cut this whole section out, is I'm trying to pull up my document, and the computer won't let me. It's really acting weird. Uh, um, I could, you know, say a few things in in summary. Sure. If, if that helps. Sure, go right ahead. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, <clears throat> the the section is titled "Shadows of the Past," and in the first part talks a lot about shadow figures, and and what it's referring to there, as best I can understand it is um, what we keep in our quote-unquote memory. And I put memory in quotes because what this section is emphasizing is that there is no such thing as the past. We kind of craft it. Um, I, I was talking to my wife the other day, and I said, you know, it's a bit like like some of the uh, – I've seen beach sculptures where people take pieces of driftwood and seaweed and strings and fishing buoys, and they just kind of – string it all together into some kind of a, you know, work of, of art of some kind, I guess. Um, and maybe it looks like, you know, a house or a boat or, or a person. Um, but it really, you know, it's just debris. It's detritus. 
And, and I think what we do with the past, and psychological studies very much reinforce this um, and support it, is we select out what we want to remember, what supports our belief, and ignore the other. So, you know, if someone has treated you really lousy in the past as you see it, then you're going to selectively remember those things that support your image of that person and not, you know, perhaps the fact that other people really like them or that they actually said something nice to you once. Um, in other words, memory isn't just this videotape that, you know, gee, recorded some factual past. Uh, it's what we what we want to hold on to. But the course goes even further than that and says the past is a complete fiction. And therefore, when we use the past to maintain and evaluate relationships, we're basing our relationships on a complete fiction. And um, that doesn't tend to work out very well uh, because as the course says, one, we only see the other person as a body and who they really are um, gets shut out more and more as we try to keep our fantasy of what they are, whether that's a positive fantasy or a negative fantasy. It doesn't matter as we try to preserve our fantasy at the expense of reality. Now, just to be clear, their reality, when the Course is talking about it, is not, oh, yeah, they're this kind of person or they have that personality. The reality is they're the son of God, and so are you. And if you see them as the son of a God, you are going to be very likely to be able to experience yourself that way as well. If you see them as a split off, um, separate being um, on whom you projected your guilt uh, and your idea that you are, um, you know, uh, a miserable, sinful creature, and therefore they're dangerous and they're going to attack you, then guess what? That's what that is how you see yourself. Um, the Course says this is the essence of, of what it calls the separation from God. You know, we had these intolerable feelings, and we couldn't stand them, so we projected them out onto a whole world that's just this one big fiction. So the earlier sections were saying, you know, beware the shadow figures that you have made that keep your relationships unholy. And I was going to... Um, bring this up later but i might as well now it's interesting because chapter 16 talked all about special relationships and here um i don't think the word special comes in it's now sort of talking about unholy relationships which is an interesting shift because it's gone from special which is really the ego's viewpoint you know as egos right. we want specialness um and it's now saying no all that all that stuff you considered special it's just the opposite of holiness. It's unholy. And unholy is not evil. It's, it's an absence. It's, it's not a presence. It's a nothingness. So our unholy relationships are actually not even relationships. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're fictions that make us think that we have relationships. But the love in them remains real. And I think that's what this section is trying to say, is that if we let the Holy Spirit see only the love and help us focus on that and amplify it, then the past dissolves, the present becomes more real, and the unholy relationship becomes a holy relationship. All right, sermon for the day over. Um, and I'll look, and I, I, I want to hear uh, what you wrote, uh, too, so, um, you know, please do add that in. <laughs> no, I'd, I'd be happy to read what I wrote if I could pull it up. But yeah, right. <laughs> what, my observation was the same as, your, as yours, unholy alliance unholy this, unholy that, it took 
it's it's like without warning. It took the word special and lowered it, like picture like with a uh, in an elevator shaft with that old time crank elevator and somebody's <laughs> turning the thing. Okay, like in the movie um, Independ- um, National Treasure. Yeah. So you're cranking it down, cranking it down. Okay, you get the idea of what special is. Good. Let's take your understanding just a little deeper. But I like the way you're put. You put it that there is an absence of the holy, not to make too much of the words ugliness or um, other words that are used to describe like the veil or what have you. Um, mm. But I think what this is telling me is I'm going to have to wing it. I think that's what it's telling me. So in my summation, I had basically spoken about, let me just get a grasp on this, mm-hmm. how the ego seeks to resolve its problems but in another dimension where only the ego can perceive with the past being an illusion, meaning that it no longer exists and it cannot be in the present. The present is now and the present is of forgiveness. So the picture that I drew was that the ego tries to make the two overlap and bring elements of the past into the present for justification of its uh, need for vengeance. But um, what paragraph six was telling me, the Holy Spirit knows where the source of the problem is and then does it there where it is. Okay. So that was just my uh, recap and that I think my biggest point, because I wanted to remake it at the end of this section, is that there is a hidden spark of beauty in all of us. We are all children of God, similar to what you said. And he wants to show it to you. He wants you to see it. Once we get that idea and we get beyond this, I will say, prejudice of separation, that this person is more than, this person is less than, this person is not equal to, that once you really get that that inside that person is the same spark that you're made of, then you find yourself more willing to accept the role of that person, the identity of that person, the individuality, I will use this word, the individual oneness of that person. And then once you become increasingly unwilling to let it be hidden from you, no, I want to see the beauty in everybody. That's when you learn to look for that rather than the superficial preferences that we tend to be attracted to in people. And then that establishes, I want to get away from the word condition. I want to use the word foundation. It helps you Mm. get away from the faulty foundation that we try to build upon for those special relationships or now unholy relationships. We look for the holy and build upon that instead of the superficial and and everything, how did I put it, everything that you were evading in the first place in the past. So it's like, yeah. it's like maybe the Holy Spirit comes in and helps you accomplish this, but everything that we're running from in the past, there's this beautiful process by which we, we run directly toward it and become attracted to it, but it looks like something different. And yet it brings us right back to where we started. Oh, we're back to this perception again or this misperception again and so I, I just think it's kind of comical in a way how everything you run from everything you're afraid of 
is what starts to glitter in the distance at, at some point, and the ego gets you there every time. Yeah, I mean, what we defend against, we make real for ourselves. <clears throat> I mean, that's the Course talks about this somewhere in the text, that the essence of every defense mechanism, that is the attempt to, you know, um, escape from what we're thinking, feeling, from our guilt, our shame, our revenge, fantasies, our attack, that the defenses against those testify to the fact <clears throat> that we believe it's real and we believe it's dangerous, and therefore our attempts to, you know, kind of hold it at bay actually reinforce that it, the, the truth of what's not really true um, reinforce that truth for us. Um, I like what you were saying, and I would just add that this isn't about going around in some Pollyanna way and going, oh, yes, you know, Hitler was a wonderful man. Um, he had a loving wife, at least. Uh, it, it's, it's very tempting to let the ego try to choose to see that spark of beauty the Course makes clear in a number of places that we're so lost in our illusions, we're so trapped in the past with those shadow figures that we've lost the ability to really discriminate. And therefore, the first step is just becoming aware of that and then asking for help from the Holy Spirit or Jesus, which really amount to pretty much the same thing operationally. Um, I would say whichever you're more comfortable with. If, if the idea of a of a, you know, holy transformed person um, appeals, by all means, you know, call on Jesus. If uh, the historical figure of Jesus gets in the way, um, for whatever reason, call on the Holy Spirit, which is more abstract. But, but the idea being, um, going right back to the Course's introduction, we have to remove the blocks to the awareness of love's presence. We have made those blocks, we have invested in those blocks, and, um, and it's very hard for maybe even impossible for us on our own to take them down. <clears throat> but if we recognize them, well, you know, then we, we just say, okay, I, I, I give this to you. Show me a different way, Holy Spirit, Jesus, to look on this one um, where I'm feeling a grievance, where I'm feeling hurt, where I'm feeling angry. You know, help me. I, I, I'm not able to do it myself, but help me. So I just, you know, and, and he then you know, what is it? Let him uncover the hidden spark of beauty in your relationships and show it to you. I mean, that's pretty lovely. Mm-hmm. And it's always safe because God created it. Yeah, that's right. It, it and cannot it's be real destroyed. And eternal. You can't lose it. Exactly. It can't be destroyed. It cannot be altered. It is there. You just have to let go. You have to forgive and get to the bottom of that. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Ready to pick up with uh, paragraph seven? And no, I can't yeah. access my notes. And that's a big clue that says I don't need them. So yeah. I'm sure what'll, what I wrote will you, come back to me if it's needed. Exactly. <clears throat> All right. So chapter seven. Um, paragraph this is seven. Picking up on the end of six, and you will learn to seek for and establish the conditions in which this beauty can be seen. <clears throat> seven. All this you will do gladly if you but let him hold the spark before you to light your way and make it clear to you. God's son is one. Whom God has joined as one, the ego cannot put asunder. The spark of holiness must be safe, however hidden it may be, even in every relationship. For the creator of the one relationship has left no part of it without himself. This is the only part of the relationship the Holy Spirit sees because he knows that only this is true. 
You have made the relationship unreal and therefore unholy by seeing it where it is not and as it is not. Give the past to him who can change your mind about it for you. But first, be sure you fully realize what you have made the past to represent and why. So, yeah, this this paragraph basically reinforces uh, what we've been saying that, um, one, we don't have the ability to change reality. Um, you know, we only have the ability to delude ourselves and, you know, make this fiction that we were talking about earlier. Um, so God's son is one. That is to say, God is in you and me and everyone. And he's not only in us as separate beings. Um, in fact, it's, it's a oneness. That which lives in each of us is exactly the same uh, because it's, it's one thing. It's almost like, um, I don't know, if your television set um, back in the days of pixels were just showing you one brilliant white light, each one of those separate pixels might seem different, but each one is just full of that light. And together that light is still just that light. So, you know, God's son is one whom God has joined as one, the ego cannot put asunder. So this is interesting. Um, some people might say, oh, well, but, you know, God, God made us separate and then joined us. I think it's actually just the opposite. God's son is a oneness. We see this separation, but the moment we let the Holy Spirit in and ask him to show us how to understand relationship, now we begin to join. Um, now we begin to recognize that minds that we thought were separate are in fact joined. Um, and that that joining is just, you know, a further derivation or reflection of a greater oneness. So I love this line because it, you know, it obviously plays with um, the line that's spoken at all the wedding, um, you know, weddings, you know, whom God has joined as one the ego cannot put asunder. Um, mm -hmm. The spark of holiness must be safe. And words, yeah, again, we can't change it. It's there. We can refuse to look at it. We can refuse to look at it for an entire lifetime and lifetime on lifetimes. Um, we can obsess over the sins and, um, and, and attacks that someone else seems to have done to us. That spark of holiness is still there. And it's the only part that the Holy Spirit sees because he literally is incapable of seeing illusion. He's in us. He's um, the bridge into reality. And when we give relationships and perceptions to the Holy Spirit, um, you know, it's almost like um, putting a pair of dirty jeans in the wash. All the dirt comes off and all that's left is, you know, your, your clean clothing. Um, the Holy Spirit cleanses perception for us of all the things that we added to it and allows only the truth to shine through. And this, by the way, is the same thing as what the Course calls forgiveness. Um, you know, we forgive in order to get our perception so purified that we don't even need it anymore, that what we're seeing, quote-unquote, out there is the same as what's, quote-unquote, in here, um, and therefore, why do we need it out there? And when you get to that place, the Course says, God takes the final step. Uh, in other words, we just, you know, we, we, we seamlessly slip back into the oneness that we actually never even left because the separation never really happened. We just believe that it did. So all of this is, is kind of, you know, here we are in a, in a psychiatric ward um, living out a delusion that seems very real to us. 
and the the best therapist, psychiatrist, doctor in in creation, the Holy Spirit, is gently reinforcing our steps towards sanity, that is the reality of love, and non-reinforcing um, any time we move in the other direction. All right, um, that's what I take from this. Uh, I think you know the the. The, the second to last line, give the past to him who can change your mind about it for you, emphasizes what I was um, saying earlier about, you know, left to our own devices, we just spin around again and again and again. You know, it's like you put the dirty clothes on the spin cycle. The dirt doesn't come off. We're just rearranging the configuration. Um, mm. We need the Holy Spirit in order to purify and give us a cleansed perception. Mm. Uh-huh. I don't know why okay. I went to a washing machine metaphor, but it's what came up. So there it is. <laughs> Go with it. It never fails yeah. you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it never fails you. Okay. <laughs> I just have a few few to add to that. That was beautiful. Um, again, as I said, you know, the, that spark is safe because God created it. The, key, the, the ego cannot tear apart what God joined as one, as what God formed as one unit. The ego cannot rip it apart. So it cannot be separated. Like you said, that's the separation is the illusion that we perceive, then we believe it, and then we act upon it. And so the spark of holiness is safe, however hidden it may be. So the spark is there. Perhaps it's our responsibility to look for it at a conscious level. Once we show our willingness to do that, that's when the the Holy Spirit will step in. For the creator of the one relationship has left no part of it without himself. He, can, the creator of this spark, cannot be separated from it because an extension it is an extension of itself. That extension being the same extension that everyone else contains within. So this is the only part of the relationship the Holy Spirit sees because he knows that only this is true. So the Holy Spirit then, not to accuse him of being incapable, but it certainly pales in importance that to what is worthy of truly looking upon is what is true, and that that is that child of God has that spark, has the capacity and the potential to really move beyond the illusion of separation and its own perception of it. And so if you can say that is true of one person, then you must be able to say that that's true of the entire collective. So that statement to me is very powerful because it's up to all of us to see the truth, especially in light of certain vibrational frequencies that are shifting of late. I don't want to bring in yeah. too much metaphysics, but that just kind of explained to me why I don't need the notes because what I wrote in the notes probably didn't even come close to what I just said. But yeah. in looking at the collective and our part in it, then we are each a spark in the collective that is the extension of God. That's a much yes. broader perspective. Okay, so then that takes me to you have made the relationship unreal. We have made these distortions. These distortions. We have misused relationships as a as a means to an end for the for purposes it was not intended. We see it where it is not and as it is not. So we we give it its distortions. We like you say, you reconfigure the dirty clothes in the washer and it continues to spin. But here's the most important thing for this paragraph for me. Give the past to him, capital H, who, capital W, can change your mind about it for you. So 
that alludes to the power of the Holy Spirit, that once you show that willingness to change your mind about how you see the past and those people in it, those shadow figures, and all that they represent, he is able to do that for you, but you must open the door and let him in. But here's the thing for me. But first, be, be sure you fully realize what you have made the past to represent and why. So you show that willingness and you invite the Holy Spirit in and you say, yes, help me change my perception of the past so that I might see peace instead of this, that I might see this differently, that I might see the truth as you see it about these people, about these events and these circumstances and my perception of them because I perceived an injustice where you're telling me there was none. So help me see it the way you see it. But first, because of this last sentence, you have to be really sure of what it is you're giving up before he can do that to you, for you. You've got to be yeah, really that, sure of what you're uh, giving up. Thank you for pointing that out. That's, that is critical. In other words, how to put it, well, that's that first step. We have to be aware of how we're preserving unholy relationships before we know what we are, um, quote, unquote, giving up, which really isn't a giving up. It's a, it's a cleansing before we're letting go of it to give it to the Holy Spirit. Um, if you don't see it, if you just sort of stuck down there in the sewer of, of all of your um, grievances and attack thoughts and specialness, mm-hmm. then how do you, you know, how do you, you don't even know what to, what to give to him. Um, you know, so, so yes, that, that's probably two lines are probably the most important lines of the whole paragraph. Of the whole paragraph. And for everybody, it's really not a scary process. Climb out of the sewer, come home. Put your jeans in the washer. You're not going to lose your favorite <laughs> jeans. You're just going to get rid of the dirt. That's all. That's that's great. That's all. <laughs> kind of cute. We'll, we'll use washing machine references today. Yeah, we'll we'll okay. go back to that. Right. <laughs> not an <laughs> ad for any particular brand. Just you know, <laughs> getting clean. <laughs> the opinions of the host and do not endorse the opinions that's of right. Spiritual Insights Radio. Okay. All right. Well, I think we. Um, Got to the heart of that one. Let's go yes, on to paragraph H. Right? Yes. And is it my turn again? Yes, you were okay. up. <laughs> Alrighty. Paragraph eight. The past becomes the justification for entering into a continuing unholy alliance with the ego against the present. For the present is forgiveness. Therefore, the relationships the unholy alliance dictates are not perceived nor felt as italics. Now, yet the frame of reference to which the present is referred for meaning is an illusion, italics again, of the past, in which those elements that fit the purpose of the unholy alliance are retained and all the rest let go. And what is thus let go is all the truth the past could ever offer to the present as witnesses for its reality, what is kept but witnesses to the reality of dreams. Okay, so this kind of turns things around a little bit. I want to try to marry it with the previous paragraph. So the past becomes the justification for entering into a continuing unholy alliance with the ego against the present. So the first rule of thumb here is that the ego rallies against the present. It doesn't want you to be in that um, state of forgiveness. That is the true state of the present. 
So I want to focus on the word justification. The justification then is the excuse that we use for being able to attack something because it doesn't allow, because the present doesn't allow us the type of redemption that we want. The type of redemption that we want is kind of like um, the, the indemnification that we get by seeing someone undergo a, an experience of karma, of uh, poetic justice, something to that nature. Um, but the present is forgiveness. And then I wanted to take this next statement, therefore the relationships the unholy alliance dictates are not perceived or felt as a nail. And so the ego and the mind being the only thing that can travel back to um, a state of being that no longer exists because we're only in the now, that is where I was talking about earlier where it goes back there. Um, and so now with the body being in the present, which it, it can't be anywhere else but in the present, the mind takes you back to the past and picks out those elements that you would apply to your perception of the present, but it's not felt or experienced this way. And perhaps that's where we get that feeling of, oh, no, not this again, because we're reliving at, at almost every moment what we've already experienced and not experiencing, experiencing the authenticity of the new person who's in front of us with their new truth, with that new spark that we now have an opportunity to join with in forgiveness of the past, not necessarily the person in front of us, unless that may be a crucial element of this relationship and whatever it's trying to teach you. But it's not perceived in the now. The, the ego is always throwing images of the past in front of you so that that is, that is welcomed as part of the perception of what is in front of you. But I wanted to get into frames, and it says that, Yet the frame of reference to which the present is referred for meaning is an illusion of the past. Those elements that fit the purpose of the Holy Alliance are retained and all the rest let go. And that fits with what I was just saying. But I wanted to say, look at, look at your life and look at your situation as um, frames, such as you would see in a film strip. And so you have the different little boxes. So only allow three, but I won't get into the future. I'm not going to bring that into this. So one frame is the present, which represents forgiveness, and the other frame is the past, which represents separation. Okay, and born of separation, there is going to come in that vengeance, that misperception, that lack of love. That lack of love is the unholiness of the relationship that you would seek to make sense of and justify your actions now for the past. And so looking at it now with a, as a frame of reference, um, as we're looking at the past, trying to give meaning to what we're doing now, and then that just adds to the insanity. The unholy alliance has to incorporate elements that fit its goal, and we don't always know what goal it is. The ego tells us we're looking for love and this uh, romantic notion of isolation. But that's not really what we're looking for in the unholy alliance. What we're looking for is that um, redemption that I was touching on earlier. So in the end, it's basically about what is retained, what is let go, when you approach it in the wrong way. 
that's where I wanted to kind of turn it around. The paragraph seven is, if you look at it this way, here is what you will be called to do. But if you look at it this way, then you get to keep everything that reinforces all of the illusions that you would cling to. And that's okay because as we get to paragraph nine, we'll see that we have that option. And it's, and it's neither good nor bad, but we do have the option to make that distinction. Anything you want to wonderful um, interject or pick apart, whatever you like. I'll, I'll just sort of probably reinforce some of the same points you were making. Um, yeah. You know, this paragraph, it, it, it tells us how the ego does relationship again. Um, and of course it's all about the past um, in the section. I think it's called the function of time. It lets us know that the mm. only time that the ego is really comfortable with is the past um, mm-hmm. because you know, the past is, is, is how it traps us and imprisons us. So when it says the past becomes the justification for entering into a continued unholy alliance with the ego against the present, what it's saying is the moment you rely on the past to evaluate any relationship, and when I say evaluate, like do I enter it, do I leave it, do I like it, is it special, is it not special, all of that is based on the past, and the past is illusion. So if if we kind of jump back to the very first um, paragraph of this section, there's a line uh, that reads, forgiveness is a selective remembering based not on your selection. So here we have the selective remembering that is based on our, on our selection. uh, If we identify with the ego and that is, yeah, we're going to see relationships through the frame, the lens, uh, the prism, of the past, and we're going to evaluate them that way. Uh, Remember some of the earliest lessons in the workbook tell us, I see only the past. Um, I have only past thoughts. I am never upset for the reason I think. Uh, I do not understand what anything means. All of these, you know, seem kind of radical, and, you know, what are they talking about? Well, here we get the the theory, the, the teaching behind those. The reason that we see only the past is because we're identified with the ego and therefore everything we're looking at, but especially in the area of relationships gets um, judged uh, according to what the past is. So we have to let go of that and give it to the Holy spirit as we were talking about in the last um, sec, the last paragraph in order to sign on to, (laughs) excuse me, in order to sign on to a different perception in order to sign on to how he sees it. Now, I think this this paragraph has one of the most important lines in all of A Course in Miracles. Um, in my book, I have it underlined and bracketed and asterisked, and, and for me, that's a really big deal. <laughs> okay. The line yeah, for the present is forgiveness. Think about this for a moment. If you could, for an instant, be completely in the present – Totally. No past, no future, because after all, what's the future but kind of a, uh, an extension of the past as we think it's probably going to play out with all of our hopes and our fears. If you could be completely in the present, you couldn't judge anything. You couldn't evaluate anything. And what the uh, author, Jesus, is telling us here is in that state, that is forgiveness. You've, you've let go of the entire past. There's nothing 
there to pull you out of the love that is the love of God and the love that lives in you and all of your brothers and sisters. Um, there's nothing else. Uh, you know, I think this is where Eckhart Tolle talks about, you know, the power of now and, and encourages us to embrace the present moment as much as possible. This is what meditative practices seek to achieve. But you don't need to spend years on a mountaintop meditating to get there. Um, if you strip away, if you put your, you know, your relationships in that washing machine and let the Holy Spirit cleanse them of the past, then, okay, sure, you can remember stuff that happened, but not really. It doesn't hold any more, um, any more weight, any more value. And that's what we need to get to. So the pure present is forgiveness, is salvation, is the atonement, and of course, the present is the state of God. You know, God doesn't have a past or a future. God is eternity. God is nothing but the present moment. Um, it's, it's one of those to me, and I've said this before on this show, it's one of the most powerful things that, you know, we can weave this whole delusional system and we can, you know, we can close our eyes and live in the past for a long time. Um, but the fact of the matter is we're always in now. Now, now, it's always the present, and yet the ego is such a master trickster that it pulls this sleight of hand, and nope, we're in the past, and we're thinking about the future, and oh, the present, oh, that, that's just this little bridge that takes us from the past to the future, and we want to get to the future, or we're scared of the future, or we want to protect against the future, but, but if you're really just sitting with the present, the power of now, then, you know, that is forgiveness. Um, so this this section, you know, this paragraph tells us that, but but shows us what happens if uh, if we let the ego do the selecting rather than the Holy Spirit. Okay. Okay. That's good stuff. Should I keep reading? Yeah, keep going. Paragraph nine. Paragraph nine. It is still up to you to choose to join with truth or with illusion. But remember that to choose one is to let the other go. Which one you choose, you will endow with beauty and reality, because the choice depends on which you value more, the spark of beauty or the veil of ugliness, the real world or the world of guilt and fear, truth or illusion, freedom or slavery. It is all the same, for you can never choose except between God and the ego. Thought systems are but true or false, and all their attributes come simply from what they are. Only the thoughts of God are true, and all that follows from them comes from what they are, and is as true as is the holy source from which they came. So here we begin to go into, you know, the grand summation of this section. You know, we've been looking at relationships. Um, we've seen how those shadow figures from the past creep into our mind, and you know, kind of like Pac-Man, they eat up what the real, what the, the person we're in relationship with. We eat up the reality that they're a child of God, um, and instead they interpose. You know, the past. We've seen how the Holy Spirit, if we if we recognize where we're blocking um, and holding on to the past, the Holy Spirit can take that from us and replace it with a loving present. We've seen how the ego selects out what it wants, and this is just. Um, this is this is sort of the summation. So, um, uh, one of the you know one of the g 
greater and more profound teachers of A Course in Miracles was a guy named Ken Wapnick, and he um, used a concept called the decider. He said, if you really think about it, all the, I mean, the Course tells us the only remaining power we have within the world of, of, of illusion is, is to decide for it or against it, for the Holy Spirit or the ego. So this paragraph kind of emphasizes, yeah, you are the decider, and what you decide for automatically rejects everything on the other side. In other words, if you're embracing illusion, you're going whole hog. You can't, you know, this is what Jesus talked about when he said, you know, you can't serve two masters. We can't right. keep two opposite thought systems in our mind at the same time. Right. And this paragraph just beautifully, you know, it lays it out. Spark of beauty, veil of ugliness, real world, world of guilt and fear, truth, illusion, freedom, slavery. You know, which do you choose? One is true. The other is false. And all other attributes will follow from what they are. Now, in any given moment, because we're, we're, we're still learning and we're not the most consistent learners, we will flip back and forth. So mm -hmm. there might be a moment where you see the holiness in your brother or sister or where you're able to embrace that pure present. And I've certainly done that. But then you know what? Like uh, the phone rings or uh, I'm a little hungry and suddenly – okay, now I'm back choosing the illusion. And, you know, we, we still live in this world, but the goal is to choose the, real, the Holy Spirit's view of it, that view where we're choosing um, the spark of beauty, the real world, truth, and freedom. Mm. But this paragraph, it, it, it kind of like, you know, here's the credo, here's the essence of it. It's one way or the other, folks, and you get to decide. And if you decide for the veil of ugliness and, you know, and you continue to suffer, that's not a sin. You always get to choose again. That's, that's the promise of salvation. You are never mm -hmm. condemned to this. It's always our choice. And the very last chapter of the text um, just an absolutely beautiful section is titled choose once again. You know, it, it, it's literally putting right in front of us at any given moment, the choice is ours again and again and again. And as we teach ourselves to choose in alignment with the Holy spirit, guess what? The results of that reinforce that choice for us. And we're more likely to make that choice again and again and again. Um, someone once asked Bill Thetford, one of the co-scribes of the course, you know, how do you know if you're making any progress with this thing? And he said, well, you know, how long does it take you to let go of a grievance? I like that, and I modify it and take it even further. How long does it take you to become aware that you're holding a grievance? And that includes specialness, which is sort of the flip side of the grievance. Because once you're aware of it, then you can say, ah, yeah, you know, ego trapped me again. Uh, I fell for that. Charlie Brown in the football. I went to kick the ego's, you know, Lucy's the football. And the ego always uh -huh. pulls it away because the ego can't offer anything real. So we always wind up flat on our butts. Um, but after doing that enough, how quickly do become, we become aware when we've, chosen wrongly and then understanding it's not about ah, i choose wrongly what's the matter with me because that's the ego again um or i chose wrongly next time i'm going to choose right forever no in that moment 
you can choose again. Uh, and that's what we're here to do. That's how we save the world, by, by cleaning up our own little piece of it in our own mind, we are saving everyone else because minds are joined. You take care of your um, seemingly little piece of it, you are also making it so much more likely that your brothers and sisters, that your fellow um, chips off the, uh, the oneness of God will see it too. So I, I love this paragraph, and, um, and I think it, it just lays it out in a very uncompromising way, which is how it needs to be laid out. Absolutely, you, and I agree with it. Okay, I was just going to say that everything that I had put together about it was everything you said. It's about those choices. It's about those See, options. minds are joined. <laughs> See, and <laughs> it's, um, but it's a continual thing. And so as I was thinking about it, I got to thinking about duality. And I got to thinking about how there were times in my life after, uh, after the course came to find me, how I really got to that point where I really could see the majority of people as that little spark of light, no matter their behavior or appearance or, you know, any other distractions. And then after a while, you know, it kind of creeps in. And I, was, I think that the ego goes in cycles where you can work to relinquish it over and over and over again and you get quite successful at this. And then you kind of start over on a higher level and then you do it again. Yes. And I think that's where the book takes you. So you, as you go through these spirals of conscious awareness, only in terms of the ego, you relinquish, 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 graduate up to the next spiral and, and start over. But perhaps with puzzle pieces that might look a little differently or remind you of the past. It doesn't matter. I still think that that process is always in place within this world of duality. And so there is a lot of people who think or may think or or might be um, led to believe that in studying the course and doing the lessons that you get to a point where you cross that bridge we were talking about back in the fall crossing the bridge, mm-hmm. and maybe that you cross this bridge and, and once and for all you, you relinquish the ego, you give up all your misperceptions, you let go of the past, and then you'll be happy, happy forevermore. But I want to come back to the reality of living in a dualistic world in, in making those foolish attempts to hold two opposing belief systems or thought systems in the mind at once. It cannot be done. And so when we get back to the idea that To choose one is to let the other go. This is something you have to do moment by moment. So to preface this, if you look at the paragraph in context of the ladder that you're you're climbing, so you understand um, what forgiveness is and what it enables the Holy Spirit to to do. You understand how the ego seeks to resolve its problem. Then you understand that if you will... Gladly let him show you what that spark looks like, what that light looks like. It teaches you how to look for it. And so you learn to get practical application in that. Then you learn to what not to do and how not to um, use the past as justification, how to experience the present in the now and not as a reflection of the past. But then this is a constant thing we have to do. No matter what comes up, you have to choose one or the other. And a lot of that is choosing because the goal 
I always tell people to be neutral, but you can't in this case, in this context. You can't be neutral. You have to choose. So you're either for or against. You're either for or against an illusion or you're for or against reality. And so I think there's that little framework that we exist in all the time. I could see this inconvenience, this upset, this offense, this injustice, or I could see the peace in this and, and what it's reflecting back to me to go deeper into that feeling of peace and the present. Um, so I wanted to touch on, because we teach seemingly different things here on the show, but I want to marry those two together. Mm. And that is to say that if we're in this world of duality and we're constantly making this choice, that we have to recognize that what I said about you're not going to get to a point where you can completely relinquish your ego because if you're in a body, you're going to have an ego. It just, it just depends on the work that you do. Your own conscious evolution is of how much you allow it to dominate your thought system, your belief system, and your behavior. So that's the work. That's the constant um, transformation that I think we go through. But we have to acknowledge that we can't have one without the other. We just have to choose between them. And so we can't have that spark of light within us and not have the shadow of the ego in order to polarize and complement that because we're in a dualistic realm. And so the ego supports the light. And the light, we tend to use the light as a, a means to avoid the ego. But really, what if we embraced it and used it as that support system I alluded to a few months ago, where if you look at both and acknowledge both for what they are, but say, but I choose this. And that's what I think is the right choice in the moment. Because there might be other moments where a different choice might seem apropos. There might be. But this is how I think you make sense of all these little steps without some fantasy that you can relinquish the ego completely and never, ever make a mistake. It's just well, a it's choice. Almost, it's almost like mm-hmm. we need to distinguish between, um, <clears throat> you know, sort of the ego that that's necessary to navigate the world of perception. Um, Ram Dass used to say, you know, it's important to know your zip code, um, you know, yeah. that – that there there are aspects of physical reality that yes, as long as we're in a body, um, we will need to um, transact. But I think what the course is saying is that you know there's there's a section I think it's in chapter thirteen um, or no fourteen I think that says when you allow the Holy Spirit to make your decisions for you, that is by turning them over and listening for an actual answer. Um, you know, those decisions, your life becomes as easy as being carried down, um, you know, a a garden path in summer, something to that effect. So that uh, the reflection of love and holiness here in physical reality becomes more consistent, more real, and more transformative. You know, relationships that look tough and where you tried to figure out how to do it, when you change your mind with the help of the Holy Spirit, because you can't do it completely on your own, 
those relationships transform as well. But I, I want to really um, reinforce what you were saying, Shar. Um, I, uh, a friend of mine is, is you know, working, has, has a friend who was saying, you know, I'm not coming back here again. I'm going to do all my work in this lifetime. I'm going to work really hard. And, you know, my wife and I kind of, you know, chuckled and it was like, yeah, I don't know. That that doesn't sound like the way the Holy Spirit works. It's not, you know, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. We get the lessons that we're ready for when we're ready for them. And having mastered them, we get more lessons and deeper lessons. We can't begin to assess the levels of unforgiveness and separation that we've bought into. And actually, I would say if we if we were suddenly faced with all of that, we probably would go psychotic. Um, so the curriculum for the vast majority of human beings is a gently unfolding one. And you get a lesson and you can say no. You can say, oh, you know, on this one, that, that guy looks pretty hunky. I think I'm going to choose ego. I want that body. Um, and then as that re- relationship begins to change and deteriorate the moment you even sign on to it, um, you mm-hmm. get to choose once again. And that doesn't mean, oh, I better leave him because I chose him with the ego. It might mean just help me to see him, help me to see this, help me to see her differently um, in every moment. And as we do that, as with any skill, the more you practice it, the easier it gets and the results are reinforcing. So, yes, the physical world is a world of duality, but in in at the highest level, duality is an illusion. Um, that's why, of course, in miracles, it's mm. called a non-dual system, just like the Upanishads or, or the teachings of some other Indian sages, Ramana Maharshi or Srinasargadatta Maharaj. Mm-hmm. Um, at the level of oneness, no, illusion, illusion isn't co-equal with reality. So here it seems like duality because we've invested in both, and that's what that paragraph is telling us. At the highest level of oneness – Ain't nothing but one. Ain't nothing but love. You know, the Hindus, Satchitananda, mm-hmm. being, awareness, and bliss. That is truth with a capital T. And nothing mm-hmm. else exists. But we, you know, we would rather have a tasty cheeseburger than find our way back to pure being, awareness, and bliss. And that's our problem. We're afraid of of the one. Um, but, but, yes, every moment we get to choose and choose again and, you know, and the curriculum evolves. We, you know, wherever you are is perfect for you right now. And just look around and you'll know where your forgiveness lessons are. Um, you know, every single person listening to this, and I think every person on the planet, if, if, you know, if the holiest of holies were to beam down and say, where in your life do you need forgiveness? That, that's not going to be terribly, um, you know, uh, hard for you to to address and pinpoint, <laughs> but it is, it's evolving. And, you know, all we have to do is look around and go, Oh yeah, there. Okay. Holy spirit, please take this from me. There's, there's a section uh, prayer in, in chapter 19 that goes, um, you know, take to the Holy spirit, take this from me and look upon it, judging it for me. I use that all the time. I also use, I do not know what anything, including this means. And therefore I do not know how to respond to it. And I will not let my past learning be the light to guide me now. You know, I'm, I'm saying, yeah, I'd, I'd rather be in confusion about it than lock it down with a past that's unreal. So that's, you know, that's the work. 
that's the work. That's nice. Yeah. Don't use a lamp from the past. Get a new lamp every moment. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Yes. Well, Shall uh, we uh, finish it up? And yeah. Since we're so uh, close. Yeah. You. We're so there, and I so yeah. love when Jesus speaks in the first person to the reader. Yeah. So this is, you know, Here one of those go. paragraphs. <laughs> it's like, open your heart, close your eyes, and listen. <laughs> Paragraph Amen. 10. My holy brother, I would enter into all your relationships and step between you and your fantasies. Let my relationship to you be real to you. And let me bring reality to your perception of your brothers. They were not created to enable you to hurt yourself through them. They were created to create with you. This is the truth that I would interpose between you and your goal of madness. Be not separate from me, and let not the holy purpose of atonement be lost to you in dreams of vengeance. Relationships in which such dreams are cherished have excluded me. Let me enter in the name of God and bring you peace, that you may offer peace to me. Mm. Mm. So the the thing that struck me the most is in the middle, sentence three, about our brothers. Their whole purpose. The whole reason why they were created. They were here they were not here to for you to use as a weapon against yourself with the option to blame them for doing it. You don't get to play that game. People do. But that's that's when I think a lot of tough lessons come along, you know, when, when we do things like that. They were not created to enable you to hurt yourself through them. They were created to create with you. So anything that you create with them is a co-creation. And I know sometimes we look around and we don't think that we created something. What we did was we made something and it's generally a mess. And so we tend to make a mess of things when we feel that perhaps our hearts were in the right place or our intentions were good. But it is not for us to use people in a manner in which their creation was not intended. Their creation was intended to create with you and not enforce some illusion against you so that you can continue this fight because that's what the ego wants. And so when we, again, open the door, invite them in, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, God, the divine uh, feminine figures, the divine mother, Gaia, even Mother Earth, and say, Mother, help me navigate this planet a little better than I've been doing because I think there's something I don't understand about the way it works, what have you. But this is the truth that I would interpose between you and your goal of madness. So to think that your brother is here for any other purpose than to create lovingly with you and for you to see that spark of light that you can recognize because you have the same spark. Don't think I can't see it or I won't recognize it if I do. It's the part of you that is the most ancient aspect, the thing you know the best. I know it's covered up. I know it's kind of blurred by this personality, this body, this identity, uh, these ambitions, what have you. But that's the truth of it. The most ancient part of you is the most ancient part of them, and you know them because they are you. And all of those 
um, what's the word, how you, how you come around full circle, how it does make sense. But in this part, we cannot forget to invite in those that are able to correct those perceptions, open our hearts, and allow us to see that child through God's eyes, through God's eyes and not our own. And so that's what he's asking that you do here is make him a part of it. Don't exclude him from your life, from your relationships that you would experience as holy. Because when we walk in that line, or when the other line of that separation from him, then we don't let him in. And so let me enter in the name of God and bring you peace that you may offer peace to me. Because once he is able to help you see clearly and identify that which is not bringing you peace, you can then let that go, offer that to him, and then what you're left is left with is the exact same thing he came to offer you, and that's peace yeah. in all things. Yeah, amen. Mm-hmm. I love that paragraph. Yeah. I don't have much to say. I, I think you you covered it. Um, you know, what uh, the author, Jesus, is is saying here is, you know, let me into your relationships as kind of the exemplar, the model of of someone who did embrace complete forgiveness and, you know, mm-hmm. saw the oneness in everyone. And let me bring that to you. So in that sense, our relationships with each and every seemingly separate person all become the same because each one is our relationship to our elder brother, um, Jesus. And, um, you know, and it's, it's a, as you said, it's when, when he steps in and, you know, addresses us in the first person, it's such a powerful shift that I think it is transformative. You know, it kind of reminds us that A Course in Miracles is a living book and speaks to us in a living way. Uh, and, and here's the author, you know, these aren't just words on a page. I mean, yeah, they are, but they leap into, um, into truth for us. And, uh, they do. they're palpable. Yeah. Yeah. They're the more palpable. I read the course, the more that that's the case. And, um, you know, and the more any single sentence or two even can just become, um, a portal, you know, an opening onto yes. truth. So I think Absolutely that just, uh, yeah, you know, this the, the, this this final section, this final paragraph of this section is is, mm-hmm. is yeah, you know, let yeah. me enter in the name of God and bring you peace that you may offer peace to me. And of course, in offering it to Him, you're offering it to everyone. And in offering it to and everyone, yourself. you can't exclude yourself. Exactly, mm-hmm. you're, you're offering it to yourself. And I think that's where I'll I'll end it. Uh, you know, I think this was. Yeah. It's such a it's such a beautiful, powerful section, um, and and I think we I think we did a really good job of unpacking it. <laughs> I understand it better now than I did um, the last time we read this, maybe a couple of years ago. So uh, mm-hmm. so that's a good sign. <laughs> it, it 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 meets you where you are in your own evolution. So wherever we were four years ago. It'll it'll speak to one of us, but now you know x amount of years later, it meets us where we are. Yeah. And and that's yeah. why we say it's such a living thing because it has such power to lend 
it doesn't change the interpretation. You just see one, one, a different facet of it at a deeper level. But it also reminds me that, you know, our job is, in coming here, our job is to find our path to love, our way back to God, yes. to, to love each other, to, to love ourselves, and to remember our connection to the divine, whoever you pray to or study, or, you know. Yeah. But there was a point in my life where, and, and I know a lot of people have come to me and said, but this seems like a lot of work and I have trouble understanding it, and why do I have to do the lessons every day? And Yes, it, it may seem like a lot of work. When you get to a certain point where it is joyful, it gets easier. But don't give up. Persevere. But what was said that really struck me, okay, yes, it, it can be a lot of work. Life is a lot of work. But why not? You might as well keep busy, and this is the thing that hit me. What have you got to lose Right. in trying to elevate your consciousness? What have you got to lose? You have nothing to lose and everything to gain. So just do the best you can, even if you're not a consistent student or even, you know, a loyal listener and you only listen to these uh, discussions from time to time when you have a moment to spare. It doesn't matter. You keep that toe in the pool. You keep that connection to the divine going. You keep that door open and you invite him into all things. Don't worry about how he'll show up or what he'll show you because yes. what, what is right for you will happen. And you know there are a lot of um, there are a lot of books out there about a course in miracles that um, can help you to understand it. Um, you know Gary Renard's Disappearance of the Universe uh, is 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 a great one for really grasping the non-dual nature of it. Um, I'm mm-hmm. setting myself up here for a promotion. Uh, my uh, my upcoming book, which is now available for pre-order on Amazon, titled From, Pl- From Nevermind to Evermind, uh, mm. Transforming the Self to Embrace Miracles, will help, I think, it'll help people understand the nature of self as the Course describes it. And once you get that, the teaching starts to make a lot more sense. It's a very simple teaching, and it's a very difficult teaching to apply because We've invested so much in separation and in the past and in judgment. So, you know, if you've been doing something one way your entire life and probably lifetime after lifetime, you bet it takes some work to reverse course and, and do it differently. But as you said, what have you got to lose? You've got to lose suffering. Um, you lose, um, you know, uh, unforgiveness. You lose pain. Um, the course would even say ultimately you lose death because when the body dies, it's just the body and the ego. And the part of you that's eternal now is what you're identified with. <clears throat> so that's why Jesus couldn't die, and that's why you can't really die. So, yeah, um, but, you know, that said, the course is very clear. Uh, you know, there, 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 there are many, many paths. And, uh, you know, but if, if, if you're on a path that seems to promise you that, oh, you can have it all and you don't have to do any work for it, you know, be suspicious. If someone tells you, hey, give me a, a $1,000 and I'll turn it into 100000 for you and you don't need to do anything, you probably don't want to give that person your money, um, you know. The work of recognizing egoic patterns and releasing them, yeah, it is work. We don't want to look at our our own darkness, our own ugliness. But the beauty, and you were saying this, Char, so well, when we look at them in light, the light 
is what's all is all that's left. You know, we we look at them to undo them, we look at them to dissolve them, and when we understand that, then you know it's a different story. I mean, it's like twelve step groups. You know, you stand up there and you tell your story, and um, and people don't you know go to the bathroom to puke because what you said is so horrible. You know, they embrace you. It's like yes, we all you know we we all have. We've all fallen into the same trap. We're all, quote, unquote, guilty of unforgiveness, not really guilty in the eyes of God, but in our own eyes. We all have embraced separation. We've all had thoughts of vengeance and probably outright murder. Um, you know, this is what's there. Mm-hmm. But I'll that agree doesn't with that mean, one. Yeah, but we can choose once again, and that's the key. If, if at any point that you feel it's us and them, you're right there at the at the threshold of that door, and and you can turn around and make a choice. You will find yeah. that when you do turn around and look at this stuff, it's not nearly as scary as you think, because the ego will tell you that it's frightening. But once you look at it and you and you gain an understanding of what it is, and like it says in the previous paragraph, how that element of the past is contributing to the conflict you're experiencing in the present. That's what we're looking for. That's where that's what we want. That's what we're chasing after. But what's doing this? And so to be afraid to look at all that you can possibly, I'll use stones over, uh, uh, overturned, to not want to overturn every stone because you're afraid of what is rising beneath it is yeah, foolish. Beautiful, beautiful. Look it's underneath beautiful. it. It's not as scary as you think. But once you get that satisfaction, that relief, that release of understanding how perception from the past is contributing to the conflict you're experiencing in the future. You're going to want more and more and more of it. You start to get a spark of curiosity, childlike wonder, a sense of adventure. What else can I learn about myself so that I might experience peace? Not just contentment, real peace, and be done with a lot of this baggage that I'm carrying around. And, and so it continues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I want right. to tell the listeners um, from PlaguesToMiracles.com is where you want to go. I also have to add, I tell everybody who will listen, if you really want to get the course, I want I want to read your new book, but from Plagues to Miracles is, for me, one of the best primers I've ever read. I think it's genius. Anyway, and I'm, not, and I'm not just saying that because you're my friend. That's how, what I think of the book. But yeah. read that. I'm looking forward to your new one. And then um, your well, you new will, website, you as I know copy. things will change. Oh, okay. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Call me, though, yeah. because I'm, I'm not at home. But uh, um, I have okay. chosen a prayer. Mm-hmm. I have chosen a prayer, and I want to thank you once again for a fantastic year of yes. teaching and working together and, and for being such a, a wonderful, I'll say, partner in peace. Yes. Thank in you, sure. We are partners there. in peace. Yeah. We, yeah. sh- we certainly are. Blessings All right. to you, so, too. Thank you so much. It means the world to me. It really does. Mm. And so our prayer again is from Choose Once Again, as referenced earlier in Dr. Bob's uh, commentary, uh, selections from A Course in Miracles, published by the Foundation for Inner Peace, and I will read from page 25. And so thank you once again, Dr. Bob, and I will speak to you very soon. Okay. Take care. All right. Here Mm-hmm. Here we go. There is no gift the Father asks of you, but that you see in all creation but the shining glory of his gift to you. Behold his Son, 
his perfect gift, in whom his Father shines forever, and to whom is all creation given as his own. Because he has it, it is given you, and where it lies in him, behold your peace. The quiet that surrounds you dwells in him, and from this quiet come the happy dreams in which your hands are joined in innocence. These are not hands that grasp in dreams of pain. They hold no sword, for they have left their hold on every vain illusion of this world. And being empty, they receive instead a brother's hand in which completion lies. Amen. Until next time, God bless and be at peace.